the best. Because he was able to sell an article about the experience, Would You Die for Your Plants? to a gardening journal. When I first met him, he was working on a guide to growing plants at home. He told me he was going to advertise it in High Times, the marijuana magazine. He said the ad wouldn't mention that marijuana plants grown according to his guide would never mature and therefore never be psychoactive. The guide was one of his all-time favorite projects. The way he saw it, he was going to make lots of money on it, always excellent. Plus, he would be encouraging kids to grow plants, very righteous. Plus, the missing information in the guide would keep these kids from getting stoned because the plants they would grow would be impotent, incalculably noble. This last fact was the aspect of the project he was proudest of, because he believed that once kids who bought the guide realized they'd wasted their money trying to do something illegal, namely grow and smoke pot, they would also realize, thanks to John LaRoche, that crime doesn't pay. Schemes like these, folding virtue and criminality around profit, are LaRoche's specialty. Just when you've finally concluded that he's a run-of-the-mill crook, he unveils an ulterior and somewhat principled but always lucrative reason for his crookedness. He likes to describe himself as a shrewd bastard. He loves doing things the hard way, especially if it means that he gets to do what he wants to do, but also gets to leave everyone else wondering how he managed to get away with it. He is quite an unusual person. He's also the most moral, amoral person I've ever known. I met John LaRoche for the first time a few years ago at the Collier County Courthouse in Naples, Florida. I was in Florida at the time because I had read a newspaper article reporting that a white man, LaRoche, and three Seminole men had been arrested with rare orchids they had stolen out of a Florida swamp called the Fakahatchee Strand State Preserve, and I wanted to know more about the incident. The newspaper story was short, but alluring. It described the Fakahatchee as a wild swamp near Naples filled with exceptional plants and trees, including some that don't grow anywhere else in the United States and some that grow nowhere else in the world. All wild orchids are now considered endangered, and it is illegal to take them out of the woods anywhere, and particularly out of a state property like the Fakahatchee. According to the newspaper, LaRoche was the ringleader of the poachers. He provided the arresting officers with the proper botanical varietal names for all the stolen plants, and explained that the plants were bound for a laboratory where they were going to be cloned by the millions and then sold to orchid collectors around the world. I read lots of local newspapers, and particularly the shortest articles in them, and most particularly any articles that are full of words and combinations that are arresting. In the case of the orchid story, I was interested to see the words swamp and orchids and seminoles and cloning and criminal together in one short piece. Sometimes this kind of story turns out to be something more, some glimpse of life that expands like those Japanese paper balls you drop in water, and then after a moment they bloom into flowers, and the flowers so marvelous that you can't believe there was a time when all you saw in front of you was a paper ball and a glass of water. The judge in the Seminole Orchid case had scheduled a hearing a few weeks after I read the article, so I arranged to go down to Naples to see if this ball of paper might bloom. It was the dead center of winter when I left New York. In Naples, it was warm and gummy. And from my plane, I could see thick thunderclouds trolling along the edge of the sky. I checked into a big hotel on the beach, and that evening, I stood on my balcony and watched the storm explode over the water. The hearing was the next morning at nine. As I pulled out of the hotel garage, the parking attendant warned me to drive carefully. See, in Naples, you gotta be careful.
he said, leaning in my window. He smelled like daiquiris. It was probably suntan lotion. When it rains here, he added, cars start to fly. There are more golf courses per person in Naples than anywhere else in the world. And in spite of the hot, angry weather, everyone around the hotel was dressed to play. Their cleated shoes tapping out a clickety, clickety, clickety tattoo on the sidewalks. The courthouse was a few miles south of town in a fresh-looking building made of bleached stone pocked with fossilized seashells. When I arrived, there were a few people inside, nobody talking to anybody. No sounds except for the creaking of the wooden benches and the sound of some guy in the front row gunning his throat. After a moment, I recognized LaRoche from the newspaper picture I'd seen. He was not especially dressed up for court. He was wearing wraparound mylar sunglasses, a poly blend shirt printed with some sort of scenic design, a Miami Hurricanes baseball cap,